At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. I'm Katie. And I'm Jen. This is Either Side Eaters. We're friends who talk food, whether it's across the table or across the Atlantic Ocean. Coming up in this episode, we'll talk about kitchen gadgets and appliances. We'll also chat with the lovable Emmy Cho from Emmy Made on YouTube about the tools in her toolbox. Hey, Katie, have you ever heard about the Angry Mama gadget? No, never. What do you think it is in the kitchen? What is would it like, angry mama do? Oh my gosh. Take the wooden spoon and spank me on the bum. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. It's actually a microwave cleaner. So like what? it's this little figure, this plastic figure of an angry looking mama with her, her fists on either side of her torso. And she's got a frown face, very furrowed eyebrows yeah and uh you fill her up with some water maybe a little vinegar and then you put in your microwave and you turn it on and it's supposed to like steam so it <gasps> allows you to easily wipe away any uh you know crusted on gunk Whoa. uh yeah I, but but now i want an angry mama butt slapping spoon that's just <laughs> 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 yeah, let's let's contact the makers of Angry Mama and get them to do Angry Mama 2.0. Uh, but before we put the wooden spoon in the hand of this gadget, let's first hear a question from one of you. Hey, Katie and Jen. This is Danielle Desimone from Philly. I recently watched a show on Netflix called Street Food Asia. It was incredible, and I definitely suggest you watch it if you haven't seen it yet. But something they briefly mentioned on the show that I've never even thought about was that it's pretty common in Asian countries to find an apartment that has a stovetop but no oven. And that's because it's not really necessary because a lot of Asian cuisine or meals are prepared by sauteing or frying, things of that nature. So it's not really necessary to have an oven in your apartment. And so I guess my question is, have you ever heard about this? I thought it was pretty cool and I'm happy I learned it. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for your question, Danielle. Yes, I have seen street food, Asia. Have you, Katie? No, I haven't. Very, very good. Especially my favorite one is the uh, Bangkok episode. So go watch that. Ooh, uh, yeah. But ovens in Asia, that's something I think about a lot, especially since my mom moved back to the Philippines. Um, she loves to look up different recipes and try them out. And she's been wanting to bake things, but she doesn't have an oven. And none of her neighbors have ovens either. 
And so I'm like, just get a, you know, a, a countertop oven. And she's like, oh, but how often am I going to use it? And things like that. And it's going to take up too much space. But all she wants to do is bake. And mm-hmm. and it got me thinking, like, wait a minute. Yeah, I remember in my dad's kitchen, he doesn't have an oven also in Thailand. N- none of my family members do. And have you heard about that? Yeah. I Actually, Jen, I think of you when I think of this because um, you, I think we had a conversation about this years ago. And then you gave me the idea to... Um, I did did a video on skillet brownies and you gave me that idea. And I think it was born out of a conversation like this of like, yo, like some of my family in Asia, like doesn't even have an oven. Like, what would it be like to do brownies on the stovetop? And didn't you do that a video like that too? Or you did like a twist? Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Stovetop chocolate chip cookies. That's right. You did chocolate chip cookies and I did brownies. Um, and you know what? It totally worked. It It was like, yeah, it's, it was, it, it got the, it got the good stuff. (laughs) It got got it going. It got got it going on. The other thing I think about is another video I've done in which um, uh, someone requested from their small, small, small Paris apartment, full transparency, my friend Natalie, who was living in Paris, she was like, uh, I don't ha-, like she was dealing with like a mini kitchenette. It was like a teeny, mm. teeny apartment. She was not working with a lot of money uh, when she lived in Paris and um, it was a really small apartment and all she had was a toaster oven. Mm-hmm. She was like, what can I do with this? So I, I think I suggested she, that she put a squash in her toaster oven and, and do it that way. Um, Why does it sound like a Lucy moment where trying to stuff in the thing just pops out? Yes. Yeah, I, I I don't know if you got the same comments on your skillet brownie video, but on my skillet cookie video, there are a lot of comments from people in Asia. They're like, thank you. I've been mm. wanting to make cookies and now mm. I can because it's on the stovetop. So it works. Try it. You don't have an oven. So, you know, the historical timeline of the kitchen, all the way from cooking on a hearth or a pit to like now there's fully automated robotic kitchens. Have you seen that? Yeah. I think I mean, it's called like the mole, something like that. The what? <laughs> mo- mo- mole. It's like these robotic arms that slide around this futuristic looking modular kitchen and it can program like. 5,000 plus recipes plus any of your own. So like if you have family recipes, you could somehow input it and then it just grabs, like I've only seen like a trailer of it. And I thought to myself, that's awesome, but also reminded me of Space Odyssey. Yes. (laughs) And I thought, ooh, what if Hal wanted to poison my food? Would I enjoy a robotic kitchen? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, listen, like we're living in the future, like this kind of stuff. It's like, we (laughs) are living with robots in our kitchens. Could be great. It's also a little freaky. Would you have a robot in your kitchen? I don't know, Jen. I tend to be kind of like anti that stuff. And then usually my partner Connor, (laughs) Connor introduces it into our lives. And I'm like, oh, how did I ever live without that? Oh, smart living. 
right? kitchen. How do you feel about it? Have you seen too many episodes of Black Mirror like me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I'm fascinated. Like, oh, I'm curious to experience it. But because both you and I just love cooking so much, to have something made from our own hands, I value much more than a robot. Totally. But I don't know. Time, times will change and we'll be like, oh, let's not discriminate against robots. So let's... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm totally kitchens. with you. I'm su- I am super old school. I actually moderated a panel at the Smart Kitchen Summit. It was in Dublin, Ireland a couple years back and this panel was about like cookbooks and are they dead because oh. because of how digital all of our cooking has become. And, you know, whatever. It's an interesting discussion, but I love cookbooks. I love holding them in my hands. And just like what you're saying, a, a meal that a human makes for me is means so much more than something that a robot would make. I don't know. Yeah, it's got more flavor. I don't. I don't know. I'm judging without even trying a robotic meal. I know we both are. <laughs> look, look at us. Um. So even though there is now the robotic kitchen, there's still, of course, many people around the world who still cook by fire. Right. That tradition. I don't think. I hope won't ever go away. Uh, actually, I like to watch a lot of those like rural country cooking videos from around the world oh. to see how people are still preparing their food certain ways, certain traditions with using fire or like different types of of, of cookware or stoves that they'll make. And it's so fascinating to watch. I don't they and generally there no one's really speaking too much, so you're just learning by the visuals. I love that, but I also appreciate indoor kitchens and just like the whole evolution of them it's wild yeah wait tell me the evolution of them I'm not even sure what you mean by that you know there's I could talk all about ancient cooking and I'll go on for days but for this purpose I'm going to focus on generally like the last couple centuries specifically with English and American style kitchens all right so let put put your your head in that timeline so Before and during the Industrial Revolution, a lot of kitchens were seen as like the status symbol, right? So uh, generally, it was the rich, right? The aristocrats who had uh, a whole staff, a large staff of servants, and any cooking or preparation was done in rooms that were super far from the living quarters, right? Like they didn't want the smells. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm thinking Downton Abbey. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, and just with that visual of Downton Abbey, um, I think during that time they started using coal as the fuel source. But before that, wood was the primary fuel. Okay. But then when like shipbuilding, you know, started popping off, they're like, okay, we need to reserve wood for ships. Then the switch to coal came and it was more cost efficient and it like provided higher cooking temperatures, right? Also, the if you think about the Downton Abbey kitchen, a lot of the appliances or like those general cooking areas, like the stove, the oven, the ice box, right? Those things were generally bulky. And if you're thinking about like Victorian era, they were very ornate, very decorative, mm-hmm. a lot of cast iron throughout. So like beautiful designs. But things really started to change when technological evolutions changed the day-to-day domestic living. So a lot of the aristocrats were downsizing, right? <laughs> and they had to. they started to they had to. And they started to cook for themselves. So when the rich need something done, huh. things change, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so 
you were mentioning like the 1950s as a, as like the model that our modern day kitchen now has has uh, been derived from, right? So in the 1930s and 40s, the kitchen started really thinking about the domestic woman, right? What is it the domestic woman needs to take care of her family? And so appliances started to become less bulky. They were more time-saving and space-saving. From 1920s to 1960s, the evolution of kitchen appliances, it was like this almost exponential uptick when men started to realize oh, women's tasks are difficult, mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't really have that as their primary thing. Basically, you're telling me that when the dudes are at the helm <laughs> of like, let's get stuff done, that's when things actually start to happen. Yeah, because they're like, oh, man, this is hard. Right. <laughs> it like, takes a lot of time. Yeah. How can we make it better for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that actually, that reminds me of cheese making, cheddar cheese making in England cheese. So cheddar is from England, right? And it was the women's role on the farm. Cause usually the men were out in the field and the women ah. were the dairy women. They would milk the cows and they made the cheese for a long, long time. And then as soon as men realized, oh, this is a business here they completely changed the the basically they made a cheese industry because they industrialized it and automatized all of these things that these women had been doing like backbreaking work doing during the day and then men are like oh there's money to be made here okay let me make some machines to streamline this and then it like changed everything (laughs) so thanks a lot Thanks a lot, men. Yeah, I know. I don't, and I don't know whether I'm like, I roll, I roll. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's there's sarcasm there. There's sarcasm. You know. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. <laughs> Actually, there's a really there's a really interesting uh, thing on Home Advisor. They made this infographic, or several of them, uh, showcasing certain appliances from the early 1900s to now. And for the most part, a lot of the appliances really function the same way. But things like the refrigerator and the stove, that's where I notice a lot of the differences. Um, so the fridge again, was the icebox. And so iceboxes, that's where we get like the term icebox cake, right? So iceboxes were generally wooden and then they had, they were lined with steel and they'd have like this honking chunk of ice, which they would source from like frozen rivers or lakes and they would keep them in ice houses. And then whenever they needed to refill the icebox, boop, pop that chunk of ice in, use that. And then... (laughs) It's really uh, interesting. Like, it it got dangerous very soon. So when electricity came about, um, the refrigerants they were using were mostly toxic. And so there were, like, a lot of toxic fridge leaks. (gasps) (laughs) 
So like you live, you learn. Yeah. And then they improve that. <laughs> like, oops, my bad. Um, and then like the stoves were very bulky. I don't know if you remember the stoves in Downton Abbey. Oh yeah, the stove. They're like massive. Massive. And just like dark because they're all like cast iron, yeah. right? Um, so they were... It's almost like it's the hearth of the kitchen, right? It's the heart at the stove. So it's like one of the biggest things in a kitchen aside from like an island, a prep station. But in, when was it? Yeah, 30s and 40s, 1930s and 40s, they wanted to start like making seamless kitchens. So any chance they got to blend in a stove or any big appliance like that would be integrated into countertops and cabinets so that it was seamless. But then it started changing again. And like now you could see a lot of times like people take pride in their range, right? Oh, Whether yeah. it's a combo of a stove and an oven and it's, it's, they're beautiful. And now like me, I have one that's like a standard range, but then on my set where we film our cooking videos, I have like an induction one that's made to look seamless with the bamboo countertop so I'm like, hmm, How do I kind you, of, I like, yeah. What do you, what are your thoughts on induction? I've only ever used induction at like Airbnbs I've stayed at. <laughs> I think they're great. They're great at controlling temperature mm. uh, when you need to, but obviously you need the right cookware. The right gear. So like, right. yeah, exactly. So oftentimes I'll just cast iron anything. That's where I'll, I won't bother testing out. I don't want to like go to the fridge and get a magnet and test something out. I just want to cook. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But those are cool. If you look at that Home Advisor infographic, it's so cool to see how like things like the blender haven't really changed um, aside from like, you know, mortar and pestle. But the design has generally stayed the same. Coffee makers from the percolator, obviously different, but we still use the percolator now, right? We still use the mortar and pestle. Totally. So are you big on like, kitschy kitchen gadgets (laughs) like as seen on tv kind of tools short answer no i'm not much of a gadget person but again i can get into it basically if someone introduces it to me puts it in my hand shows me how to use it then i can get on board i'm kind of like that with social media platforms too it's like uh, i think that's healthy (laughs) I think that's healthy. Me, on the other hand, I grew up with a mother who loved (gasps) gadgets and just like hoarding anything. (laughs) So, but I, I now understand that like, unless something has a multi-purpose role in my kitchen, I'm not going to buy it. That's like my hands down rule. I'm not going to get it. But in general, I am a fan of cooking infomercials. Like I am obsessed with them. Do you remember (laughs) Magic Bullet? Oh my God. Yeah, I totally do. (laughs) Yeah. That was like the best one with the characters. Like it's so much fun. And I've done a bunch of videos in the past testing out different gadgets and I still use a lot of them. Like, so there's like the proof in the pudding. If you're still using them. Yeah. Yeah. It works out and it's cute. A lot of the uh, tools I got were from a, a Japanese dollar store called Daiso. Have you heard of that? No. Daiso. And I realized that a lot of Japanese uh, gadgets are like, they're super pop. There's so many different things. Uh, and I'd love to, to dive into that world with our guest. <gasps> yes. Today's guest is everyone's favorite YouTuber. 
Emmy from the channel Emmy Made. For years, she has invited millions of viewers from all over to taste and learn more about the world through her online food adventures. From finding out what giant centipedes taste like to testing out vintage gadgets sent from beloved viewers, Emmy is always down for a good time in the kitchen. Before we go into kitchen gadget goodness, we have a couple quick fire questions for you. All right, first question. Cups in your cupboard, are they sitting right side up or right side or upside down? Upside down. Oh. All right, ice cream. Do you prefer lychee or pistachio? I would say the lychee sorbet for sure. All right. Nice. And last one. Toilet paper, over or under? Over. Oh, yeah. I mean, that reminds me of days of roommates, right? You're like, no, you did this wrong. Yeah. It's got to be over or you're out. <laughs> it's just the OCD in me. Or maybe I just secretly love the toilet paper, like spring loaded thingy mm-hmm. that I just have to switch it. Yeah, definitely over. As many times as you could touch it, the better. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, ah, squeeze. <laughs> I feel like that sets up the interview really well, actually, because if you're that way about the spring-loaded toilet roll holder, how are you going to be with kitchen gadgets? I mean, I think I already know the answer to that. Yeah, I feel like I've heard you say several times, like, you like the sounds of of coils or you like the feeling of the clickety-clackities, right? It's something about the story, too. I mean, it goes way back before I even had my own kitchen where I would stay up late watching infomercials, you know, Ron Popeil, the infomercials, and just watching this show about a gadget was ridiculous. But I would watch that. Loved it. And then just all the, like, little, you can change the dye and it makes a different shape pasta. Like, yes, sold. It's like Play-Doh for adults that you pay a lot of money for. That's such a good comparison. (laughs) It's so true. Do you still find yourself watching infomercials? I don't. We don't. Well, we have a television, but we're not. We've cut our cord. So, uh, well, we never had a cord, actually. So we never had cable TV. So we watch, you know, movies and we'll watch an occasional show. And I always have projects going. So I have to kind of pick between. So if it's just not there, then I don't watch it. But I think if it was, I probably would. I'm like, yeah. Do they still have them? Yeah. I have to admit that I seek them on YouTube. Like, I'll send them your way, just to, to <laughs> <laughs> all of them. So on your channel, Emmy Made, yes. I, I remember for years, like, just well, some of my favorite segments of yours has been trying out new gadgets, different appliances. Is that something that you do off of your channel? Like, do you find yourself um, incorporating funky gadgets in your daily routines? No, I would say I'm actually more of a minimalist. I like to just have... One thing that can do a bunch of different things. I just don't like a lot of stuff. So people ask me, where do you store all these things? And I usually do some kind of giveaway. I think what I'm doing in my videos is I'm tapping into that. I wonder, you know, I love to go thrifting. I love finding treasures and then seeing something and saying, what does that do? Or I wonder if it works. That thing is so old. So I'm, I think I'm just reacting to that impulse and then actually making it happen for me. I think ordinarily, if I didn't have this kind of vicarious like experience for my audience, I, must, I might not, you know, do that knee-jerk reaction and buy that, you know, 30-year-old bread maker to see if it would actually make bread. But it's really fun to see if it does. So, uh, but in my ordinary life, no, I'm, I'm, I do like to keep things to the things I actually use. 
So I'll use a real potato peeler as opposed to some sort of automated roto blade thing. <laughs> uh-huh. So do you, so you find yourself more drawn to like vintage stuff I hear you saying versus like the new agey gadgety stuff? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm not really a gadgety person in general, just like a, in terms of having gear. I think there's some people that are real gearheads. They have a, a thing for everything. I'd rather have just a multi-purpose jacket as opposed to a windbreaker and a, and a, a puffy coat and you know one for everything i'd rather have just one inclusive thing generally but there are a few there are a few outliers like a rice cooker that cooks rice and it cooks it perfectly yeah yes you always need that one perfect rice cooker for life (laughs) that is the exception to the multi-use rule right (laughs) i think so Uh, that and and a toaster i was thinking i have a toaster i think is super important because you can't just toast on a stove and get nice toast and the rice cooker are the ones that are really really key ones but there are other appliances that have really surprised me too where i'm just like wow that is a unitasker as alton brown says but it does an amazing job at what it does so there is that speaking of alton brown he in his book on, on gear, I don't know if either of you have read it, he no. talks a lot about how he used to be a hoarder of many as many like gadgets and appliances. And he also talks about like thinking about whether does the tool make a better cook or is it going to be so overwhelming that you have no counter space anymore? <laughs> You're just like, oh, well, now what? Yeah, well, I think you have to really kind of figure out what is best for your situation. If you, if that piece of equipment really does get you in the kitchen to make something, then I'm all for it. And, and so you, you lived in Japan for quite some time. Yeah. How, how long? Just a couple years, a couple years. And then when we had our kid, we moved back home. Can you compare like what the appliance, kitchen appliance gadget culture is compared to the U S like is Japan, uh, more obsessed with it? Do you find that they have more fun options or is the U.S. actually the more obsessed one with all their infomercials? Uh, you know, it's based on my small experience when yeah. I lived there. I would say generally speaking, there are a lot of wonderful gadgetry, certainly, and technology. But the kitchen spaces, if we're specifically talking about the kitchens, generally are pretty small. So there are machines or gadgets or appliances that can do multiple things. So it was the first time that I'd ever seen a microwave electric oven combo before, ever. And I'm like, what is, my, my husband told me about it. I'm like, that's not true. That's, that's a microwave and that's a toaster oven. He's like, no, it's both. I'm like, no, no, but it's true. So it's this wonderful thing where you have this machine that can do multiple things, but everything tends to be smaller. And the kitchen was, it was, I was, our kitchen, we had a two bedroom apartment, was the size of like a ship's galley. It was so tiny. I had the counter space of, you know, this little island I have here. It was just tiny. And so you don't have a lot of room to store all these kinds of things. So for me, it was a matter of just prioritizing, but certainly you could find all kinds of wonderful, very, very hyper specific gadgets or tools or appliances for whatever need you may have. How did your husband know what these things were? Did he have some kind of previous familiarity with them? No, we went to a place called Muji, which is this no no brand company. We loved it. And it just had a kitchen area and everything. The aesthetic is very clean and just very minimal. And they had this set so you could get a refrigerator, a microwave, and I think it was a hot water heater. And Oh, no, it was a rice cooker. Of course, a rice cooker. 
<laughs> so I'm like, that's perfect because we came, we had nothing. We had to furnish our apartment. And so we got the set and he says, I said, well, you know, I, I love to bake, but if we don't have an oven, because generally speaking, the, the kitchens do not have, you won't have a full-size oven. So I said, it would be great if we could get a small toaster oven. He's like, it's in the same thing as the microwave. It just comes that way. I'm like, you're mad. You're crazy. That's not true. Totally true. But, you know, of course it was, you know, small, just standard side microwave. So you couldn't like roast a chicken or anything. But. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw one was on uh, Cooking with Dog, that channel. And I I loved it because like, oh, I told Leo, my husband, you're, they're putting cake in the microwave. And that, that same thing is like, no, that's an oven. I was like, no, no, but but does it microwave too? <laughs> so yeah, it does. And so I guess to answer Kitty's question, it came that way. They were. It, it, I feel like the part of a huge part of Japanese culture that I came to appreciate so much is this is uh, this is courtesy. There's this um, thinking and empathy of other people. You're always thinking about how the other people are feeling and their situations and. And so it's like, here, we, we've conveniently made this packet for you, not packet, but bundle of appliances that will outfit your kitchen. Like, great. So it was just very considerate and great for someone that knows nothing, you know, moving to a new country. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I like that. It helps you get a little settled without having to do so much. In your kitchen, did you have one of those fish drawers? Like the... Do you know what I'm talking about? Where What's you a can... fish drawer? <laughs> I, I I love watching um like a tiny Japanese apartment living, and a lot of the kitchens I guess now have this fish drawer where because it's a, a big part of breakfast. If you eat like a little bit of mackerel, or salmon, and you just put your little fillet in, you pop it in, and it broils it real quick, and it can like keeps the smell in. So you just juk juk, and then you clean out the filter when you need to, and that's it no i would love a fish drawer like now that now. would be amazing <laughs> <laughs> let's compare fish drawer builds and make it that's happen that's a genius idea that's epic so good as a breakfast too you just get this beautiful and then you oftentimes have a little bowl of soup it's just so yeah. lovely yeah i, like I mean it. that should be a thing where i where i live right now i'm like live on the adriatic in southern italy and like this is a huge fish culture here like everyone eats fish it's a massive part of the culture they don't have fish drawers here <laughs> <laughs> is it built into the kit like into your yeah built in seamlessly typically like near the sink so it just pops out you could you know dump out whatever you'll need and put it back contains a yeah. smell Yo, I'm about to call the mayor. I'm about to call my landlord. Like, we need to change some things around here. Yeah, you're like, this old juicer, this ain't yeah, gonna cut this it. this old juicer. Yeah. <laughs> I need. My dream kitchen had, like, drawers with, like, a flower drawer. But fish drawer, that's, that's striving. Wait, oh, let's a flower make it happen. drawer, too, though. That, I mean, I'd take a flower drawer any day. Well, the first time I saw it, I'm like, wow, it's built. And you, wow, and a lid, oh my. Wait, what culture is that big? Is that like a French thing? I don't know. I think I, I think thought so. so. I think so. I remember just watching, I think it was on a PBS, like, I don't know, when my marathon PBS cooking shows. <laughs> I think, you know, Martha probably and Ina probably have, you know, the, the, the Mavens. I think I probably saw one of their shows. Make they have a drawer dedicated just to flour. I have a drawer that's you know for you know junk. Yeah, right. 
So I recently saw you did the vintage uh, mayo maker. And you mentioned also that that was the first time you ever made homemade mayo. I don't know why I was so surprised because you've made so many things on your channel over the years. Uh, most recently, and I was just talking to Kate about it, your tangerine bows. Whoa. <laughs> I think it's the, the most satisfying recipe I've ever made. I was <gasps> Oh my God, for you to say that, that's a big freaking deal. <laughs> I was just, could not, I could not believe how much it looked like. I just, I was so happy about it for days. I was just holding this, uh, like a piece of bread around, you know, stale. I'm like, it looks like a tangerine. And everyone around me is like, yes, <laughs> we know that mama. We know. <laughs> I'm like, but look, but look really. Um, what was, oh yeah. So to go back, yes, the bow, the mayo, the mayo. Yes, I've never made mayo before because you know what? Kewpie mayo and best foods are pretty delicious. They are. <laughs> and I don't usually make, I don't need very much for a recipe. So I just haven't, I'm like, oh, really? I mean, emulsions are cool, but really? So yeah. I'll just like squeeze the Kewpie and I'm happy. But homemade mayo is delicious though. Don't get me wrong. And you followed the recipe. So on, it was a, a glass, a, like a tall glass mason jar almost with this like steel lid that had a, like a pump on the middle so that you could agitate everything and have it emulsify together. Right. And on, on the uh, glass, I, it was so interesting that it had the recipe on it, like not printed just on the glass. So you followed that one, right? Yes, yes, it was. So it was a lot of these things tend to be kind of marketing things. So I looked it up and you could mail in with a little coupon, I believe it was like 35 cents or something. And it was back in 1931 or 34. So you mail it in, they would mail it to you. And it was it had it was very much branded. It was Wesson, Wesson oil, canola oil. So here you had this branded thing. And hopefully it was something that would be utilitarian that you would use all the time. And then it would be like, you know, seared into your brain that Wesson means delicious mayo, but it was delicious. It was. But then when you're actually pouring the mayo and the, the oil in, you're like, oh my word. How I'm much like, oil goes in? Right. Right. And then you're just like, that's not delicious, but it, but it is <laughs> so good. Well, thank you so much, Emmy. You're thank fantastic. Thank you, Emmy. If you guys want to get curious with Emmy, you can find her on her YouTube channel, Emmy Made. You can also find her on Instagram at Emmy Made. And on Facebook. So go check her out. Go down the rabbit hole of all the curiosities. Katie, how fun was it to geek out over kitchen tools? We have journeyed all the way from pre-industrial ice boxes to personal robotic chefs. The evolution of the time-saving kitchen thanks to domestic goddesses of the yesteryears. And we shared Emmy's appreciation of multi-purpose tools and devices, like her first Japanese dual microwave oven combo. Don't you just want one now? Right now. Yes. <laughs> if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. You can also drop us a question using the link in the show notes. You can also catch up with us on Instagram at Jenny Life and at QKatie. Special thanks to the musician who wrote and performed our theme song, Brian Quinn. Woo-hoo! That's Katie's brother. You can follow him on Instagram at BQFunk. <laughs>